This is Soundmaking, a podcast made by Hogan Stenner and myself, Matthew Schlomowitz. Each episode of Soundmaking features a composer or performer discussing the how and why of music they've created. For this episode of Soundmaking, I spoke with Juliana Snapper and Andrew Infanti. We discussed their underwater opera, You Who Will Emerge from the Flood, which was conceived and performed by Juliana and Andrew. The opera's been played in countries such as Slovenia, Portugal, Poland, and at the Queer Up North Festival in Manchester, England. Towards the end of the episode, you'll hear the Muslim call to prayer in the background as Juliana spoke to me from Izmir in Turkey, where she lives. In our chat, we spoke about how and why Juliana began singing underwater and how Andrew assigned each character with a different musical system. At the end of the episode, you'll hear Blockra Suite, a six-minute mashup of electronic music and vocal recordings combined from several site-specific productions of this work. I'm Julietta Snapper. I'm from, uh, from California, and I'm living in Izmir, Turkey. Uh, I'm a singer, and I make music, and I research the voice. Um, I'm an artist. Um, I narrowly escaped becoming a musicologist, um, in large part due to this collaboration with, with Andrew. I am uh, Andrew Infanti. Uh, I'm a musician from America, but I live in Paris, France where I teach music and I like making music. Uh, I was trained as a pianist, so I have um, a lot of interest in classical music and repertory music. But uh, what's really exciting to me is uh, creation, new things. And it's really exciting to work with Juliana on some projects that seemed like they could never been produced and somehow we managed to do it. You've just heard an excerpt from um, a full-length piece called You Who Will Emerge from the Flood that I co-created with Andrew Infanti. Um, and it is the culmination of uh, a project that began uh, as an experiment and learning to take bel canto vocalism under and into water. I was interested in working with the operatic voice in new ways. Um, and I had just done a piece where I had was singing upside down as the as the vocal mechanism failed. And I really liked that the tension of working against my own instrument and working trying to work musically with that that inevitable failure. Um, and what followed that then was this desire to to bring the voice into water, um, into a new atmosphere, right? We assume that singing belongs in air. What happens when you bring it into water? So I began in bathtubs. And then I thought, well, let me let me see if this can be a piece that can be brought into other bathtubs and make people's homes little tiny underwater opera houses. 
And then that expanded into a dunk tank in New York and then jumped to this enormous Victorian bathhouse in Manchester, England. And when that invitation came, I knew I needed help. I reached out to Andrew. Juliana and I um, share a love of opera. And when we were together in graduate school, we did a lot of performance together on art songs, the art songs that got the closest to the decadent opera that we loved, uh, late 19th century, Berg, uh, Schoenberg, uh, Expressionism. And uh, I think we were trying to digest the the idea of opera being dead and this sort of uh, discussion around uh, the disappearance of certain kinds of musical expression. And uh, when I heard that Juliana was doing work underwater and upside down and was working on themes like survival, extinction, adapt, adaptation, evolution, um, I was really surprised that she came to me and said, I'm forming a team and we want to do a show. We want to music. We want something to be like an opera, maybe not an opera, but uh, using my new underwater voice that she shared with me. And I was thrilled by the idea. When she set the scene for what we were going to be doing, it was kind of surprising because most people consider swimming pools to be um, a sports event uh, or just a place to go on Sunday to relax. And her idea was to turn this into high theater. And what was interesting about the place that she initially found in Manchester is it's quite a, uh, a splendid faded lady uh, closed at the time and so basically her performance had a double initiative not only to be the first underwater opera or something close to opera but also to to make these uh, victorian baths live again uh, in all of their sort of faded splendor how do you see an underwater opera it was a question that we asked ourselves during the the multiple times that we produced it uh, in the initial phase at the Victoria Bass in Manchester, it was basically people looking at a large uh, costume in the water with basically electroacoustic music in spatialized uh, speakers around them and uh, a hydrophone, which is basically a, an, ad an adaptation of the microphone, uh, recording what Juliana was doing under the water. Uh, the major flaw, and that's something that I... I wouldn't call it a flaw, I would say an adaptation mechanism uh, was uh, the fact that Juliana couldn't hear anything that was going on above the water as she was doing the things below. So it was a pretty stiff uh, challenge. The first public presentation of what would become this piece with Andrew was uh, at the at PS1 MoMA in New York. Um, it was commissioned um, for the uh, uh, WAC Festival of Women's Arts um, by a wonderful art group in New York called Ridiculous. And it was outdoors in March. We took a dunk tank and uh, had six channels of sound. So this was a very frontal, imagine a dunk tank. Do you know what a dunk tank is? Is it the same thing in every language? 
right? It's where you throw a ball. It's usually at a carnival. You throw a ball, it hits a target, and some sucker gets dunked into the water. Okay. As a theater, it works very well. It's small. Um, you surround it with, with curtains. It becomes a proscenium. And this was out, outdoors on the steps of PS1, uh, which is a very beautiful kind of courtyard. And I didn't think about water temperature. And it was very cold. And so a 15-minute performance became about 45 minutes <laughs> because it affected my sense of everything. My first experiment singing underwater came from a desire to to use the operatic instrument that I'd been building into my body for 20 years in a way that felt uh, that it actually brought something new. Um, even with a new music, uh, what's called extended technique, which is kind of the, the I don't know, the, the central uh, um, uh, form of vocal new music is uh, is not extended from operatic singing. So I feel like what gets called operatic singing now is this kind of pastiche of what has been kind of embalmed um, around verismo operatic singing, this kind of operatic canon that developed around Verdi and Wagner, and then these extensions that are strange sounds that are either um, substituted or um, alternate with this this 19th century instrument um, that's like throat singing or um, uh, using vocables uh, or all these different things that are really borrowed from other cultures or are developed kind of developed in tandem with electronic music. So I felt like the operatic instrument had been either embalmed or abandoned for these other sounds, for this other kind of voice. And I felt very frustrated because now what do I do with this damn thing that I've been working on for 20 years? Where do I put it? Can it do anything else? Is there some life in it still? And I don't know if there is. So the working underwater was um, one way that I explored that question. So you put the body and you change the atmosphere, right? You change the acoustic atmosphere from air to water and how the body is in that atmosphere and everything shifts. When Juliana mentioned that she liked to do a whole show around her new vocal developments, which was singing in and around water, we started by parsing the dramaturgy into different characters in transgenetic post-human evolution. Uh, this was mostly came from Dougal Dixon's book, uh, Man After Man. Uh, after this point, I wanted uh, the roles to dialogue with music history, um, maybe in an overly specific way. Each character is assigned an utopic musical system, each of which has been declared dead by some sententious musical authority figure. For example, twelve-tone music uh, is used for the final human character, whose name is Tina. There is no alternative. 
I used ultra-chromatic quarter-tone harmony like that developed in the 20s and 30s by Alois Haba in Czechoslovakia and Ivan Vishnogradsky in Russia and then in France. That was for the median swamp-dwelling creature. And uh, I decided to use the sort of sketch of a system uh, suggested by Buzoni, which uh, proposed to divide the whole tone into three, which ultimately creates six tones. So uh, I took each of these music and assigned them a set of instruments. And uh, then I wrote most of the parts that uh, we can hear in the background uh, in regular music notation software and then recorded them on virtual instruments for MIDI tracks. And uh, then I played with them in a, in a digital audio workstation. Uh, and then I mixed in modified samples of Juliana's voice, sometimes spoken, sometimes sung, sung with the water. Uh, since the production of the, the theater piece was different in every single environment, sometimes it was a public bath in Manchester, sometimes Olympic pools in, uh, in Warsaw or in Porto, uh, the whole piece has a really modular structure because the order of the musical numbers was never the same twice in our productions. What happens when you take bel canto technique, and to be very simple with that, that's just um, using finding maximum control over the flow and the density of the expulsion of air on the one hand, and then the shaping of the 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 vocal tract and the um, and the the resonant spaces in your head um, and through your bones, evidently, um, and applying that within water. So. What you can hear in this mashup is uh, is are several of those things, which I had actually recorded and and offered up to Andrew. Um, you can hear uh, singing fully submerged, uh, and kind of how the 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 bubbles interact with that. Uh, the fact that when you're fully underwater, you have the there's a lot of pressure of the water on the body, and that affects the the timbre. And there's also the interruption of bubble noises, um, which become either a kind of counterpoint or uh, interference, depending on on and how you work with the phrases. Also, working with a regulator because I was a scuba diver at that point. The phrases are limited to about 15 seconds, and then you hear a <laughs> sound, and then you can sing again, and then there's this horrible inhalation <laughs> sound. We didn't have fancy equipment. This whole project was done on a shoestring, a very old, thin, and, and broken many times shoestring. Um, you can hear the sound of uh, working of singing onto the the surface of the water, which is is actually very, very firm and wonderful to bounce the sound off of. And you can play with the, the rate of the bubbles and the pitches. You can get these kind of birdy sounds. And you can also, the, the water will take up the resonance of airless sound. So with almost no air at all, the groaning sounds that you hear, um, I, would, I kind of talked about it as a spectrum of bone to breeze, right? How much air are you using to make the sound? So all of the cranky, creaky sounds are airless sounds that are then um, uh, resonate through the water. So I took this palette and it was pretty roughly recorded. 
And I handed that to Andrew. The mix heard on this podcast was made for the BBC, and uh, for me it benefits from an incredible remastering from composer and sound engineer Peter Snapper, who's also Juliana's brother. It's a really amazing work that he did on very uh, diverse sound sources. Uh, when we had to choose uh, which pieces of the modular structure we wanted to put in, uh, we decided to just forget about narrative arc, even though it is from a live show. When I listen to the mix, I get this feeling of embroidery sampler, and really sampler without the hip-hop, meaning it's not technological at all. It's a piece of cloth that you use to show the different kind of stitches you know how to sew. So sometimes you look at samplers in the past and you just see rudimentary geometric forms. And sometimes when you start getting good at doing a sampler, you can work through the alphabet with different kinds of fonts. And then sometimes if you really get your sewing chops up, you can fill the cloth field with various flowers. And sometimes if the artist gets really uppity, you can actually have a landscape sewn in. So I don't really have an answer as to which our mix offers. But I can say that making the show You Will Emerge from the Flood was an amazing experience for Juliana and I, and uh, we hope that the listeners enjoy the mix.